We've been through a lot, now we're headed to the top, and it's only getting better. Just watch, cause we got that defense, 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 yeah. All right, we're back with another episode of the Bluegrass Blitz following a uh, fun weekend of college football and even a little basketball, Sean. So uh, let's just jump right into it. Um, I want to talk about uh, our trip to Nashville and uh, <laughs> Kentucky Vanderbilt. It was cold. Uh, it was it was cold. There were more Kentucky fans than Louisville fans there, or more Kentucky Andy. fans than Vanderbilt fans. I've got Louisville on my mind. Uh, just, uh, you know, I thought Kentucky played really well in the first half, just kind of, and then the second half just kind of seemed like they just kind of coasted and uh, ended up with a 34-17 win. Uh, Kentucky was a 21-and-a-half-point favorite going into that game, and you'd probably like to have seen them win by a little bit more than what they did. But the second half – or the second quarter showed just how much of better Kentucky is than Vanderbilt. I mean, it took a 31-3 to lead into halftime and then – you know, in the second half was just kind of in whatever, but I think they were just kind of playing not to get for nobody to get hurt and just kind of escape out of there. But uh, overall, I thought a pretty good win. Um, what, what were your thoughts, Sean? Yeah, I thought uh, I thought Kentucky looked amazing in that first half. You know, thirty-one to three. You know, the fact that Kentucky put up thirty-one points and a half, we don't really. It's usually a struggle to get thirty-one in the game for Kentucky, uh-huh. just the way uh, that offense is ran. I was very pleased. You know, Will Levis looked great. The there was some really bad clock management at the end of the first half, which there it seems like there's always bad clock management with uh, this coaching staff. Second half, you know, it was kind of. Yeah, you know, a little disappointing. I think, uh, like you said, I think they coasted. Uh, the defense had a little trouble getting Vandy off the field. You know, Vandy had some very long drives, but uh, you know, the thing is, Kentucky won. I would have liked for them to have scored 40 to 45 just to get a good feel good win, maybe get Bo Allen in there. But the fact is, you had to win that game. And they did win that game. It was a must win. You know, Vandy is rebuilding. Although I will say this, Vandy had a, a quarterback. I think his name is Mike Wright. And uh, I don't know how what uh, how many years that kid has, but uh, if he if he if he's not a senior, if he's going to be around there for a little bit, that could be really good for Vandy because he was really good. Yeah, he, I mean, he was able to run the ball well, and I think I, I think what we saw out of the defense, especially in the second half, was just kind of a. You know, let's play back. Let's, you know, let's not be too aggressive. Don't allow a huge play and uh, don't allow long touchdowns to let them get back in the game. And that's kind of what they did. So in doing that, they allowed some drives and yeah. and it took up time. So they didn't. So Vanderbilt never really got back into the game. There was never a moment where you started sweating it like, oh, my gosh, is Kentucky going to blow this? Um, so I think that's kind of what they were going for. And if that was what they were going for, then it worked because, you know, Vandy was able to get to 17 points, but they were never really, they never really got back into the game in the second half. So not a huge deal there. Uh, like I said, I would have liked to have seen more out of the offense in the second half. Um, I would have liked to have seen, you know, maybe Bo Allen get in the game, maybe see some of the backups get back into the game. I don't know. Uh, but Overall, overall, that was a good win. It was a game you had to win. To, you know, avoid the uh, avoid that upset, avoid any possibility of that. Um, so now you can set yourself up with your next two games. You know, we've got a game against uh, New Mexico State coming up, and then on Saturday, and then of course the Louisville game to end the season. So you just had to win that game to get yourself set up to possibly go nine and three, and you, you did that. And, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the prettiest win. It wasn't 
you know, the most exciting game ever, but you got to win nonetheless. Yeah, I was uh, very pleased with uh, how it looked. I, I got to say, though, uh, Vandy Stadium struggled a little bit. You know, it's a, <laughs> a little rough, although uh, during halftime, they showed a video. Apparently, they're going to do some really big renovations, and uh, it looks really spectacular. So I'm glad they're renovating it. But, you know, it makes me appreciate the fact that, uh, you know, Mitch Barnhart and the athletic department at Kentucky has put so much money and resources into making Kroger Field such a better place. Uh, not trying to dog Vandy. I'm sure there's a lot worse stadiums, but it, it was you could tell it was a lot different than Kroger Field. Wasn't a lot of concessions to choose from, although I will say uh, any Vandy fans listening, y'all got some amazing hot chocolate down there. But I had a lot of fun there. You know, I, I, I don't really – I'm not, like, mean to Vandy. You know, I, I feel sorry for them because <laughs> we've been there. Um, I, I was pretty sad for their singers on Saturday. That was senior night. So they brought all the singers out on the field and there was hardly any Vandy fans there. And I felt really bad for those kids because, you know, they've, the, those singers have not won a lot of games. It's been, uh, they've been in a tough transition, really haven't been able to find themselves since James Franklin left for Penn state. And, uh, you know, but those players play very hard for Vandy. And I think that, uh, this guy down there coaching, I think he could get them going here in a few years. I think he certainly has a better chance of doing it than Derek Mason did. But, you know, like, like, like I said, I felt bad for their seniors because th there was like nobody there, Zach. It was a blackout. It was senior night. There was plenty of more Kentucky fans there. There was Kentucky fans on the home side. Oh, there were plenty. It was, you know, I mean, the Vandy fans did show up. They did wear black, but it kind of fell short of being a real blackout. Yeah, well. Lots of blue and white throughout the stadium. I got to give the PA guy for Vandy. He he was excited on those first downs. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was very interesting. I didn't know. Of course, I'd never been down to Vandy. They got this huge uh, foghorn or something whenever they uh, score a touchdown. Well, when the clock was counting down, because we got in there about an hour before uh, kickoff, and when it hit 30 minutes, that thing went off. And I about jumped out of my shoes. That thing scared me to death. Yeah, you know, Kroger Field, they do the call to post, right? You yeah. Know, like the old horse racing. I guess theirs is like a like a uh, call to port, you know, with the anchors <laughs> down. It's, yeah. like, it's like a boat <laughs> horn or something. I don't know. It scared me to death, too. But, uh, Sean, I want to touch on touch on our trip to Nashville in general. You want, you want to talk about our trip to the Waffle House? <laughs> Oh my goodness. It was a very interesting Waffle House act. So, uh, we had went down there with our significant others and, uh, it was cold better have, or better halves, if you will. Yeah, yeah. The bosses, the people that are in charge, let's just be real. Um, and, uh, we actually made the decision to spend the night down there, which, you know, maybe not the best decision considering where we ended up at, <laughs> but, uh, we went to our, uh, hotel in air quotes, I don't know how much of a hotel you can call it. Um, we seen there was a Waffle House beside it, and this was like the nicest Waffle House I'd ever seen. It was like a a fancy looking restaurant. It was a you know, beautiful building, very fascinating. You, so, you generally uh, look at Waffle House and you're like, it's you know, it's kind of part of the ambiance of it. You know, it's <laughs> it, it, it it doesn't exactly look like the most modern thing in the world. Yeah. Uh, this and one was like spectacular. It looked really nice on the inside. We were like, oh, this is a fancy Waffle House. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we got in there and nobody really knew what the heck they were doing. Uh, we're listening. You know, 
of course with the waffle house you got like the the, the kitchen and everything's pretty much right there where if you're cooking you're cooking right in front of the customers which i would not like that by the way i would hate that especially in a high stress situation because oh, i've yeah. worked in fast food it's very stressful yeah and uh <laughs> there's some woman back here talking about the, uh, what was it? You're not, am I, you're not supposed to, you're supposed to spray that the, the waffle maker. Yeah. She's like, no, you're not. And we're sitting there like, um, yeah, you yeah, do. You because it's going to stick and be terrible. Uh, my wife didn't say this at the time because, uh, you know, she's, she doesn't like to cause any issues, but, uh, her waffle was squishy. Well, well the- <laughs> The part that fascinated me is we walk in and the and the lady is standing there and she says, We're only doing takeouts, we're cleaning up for the next shift. Yeah. And so we were like, so you know, we're standing around like, okay, well, what do we do? You know, and then this guy, this large man with a beard and a ponytail, very large, and I don't even think he was an employee, <laughs> comes walking through and he's just cleaning tables. <laughs> says no this table's good you can sit here yeah well and i don't know if you know I, I don't think that man worked there well i don't know if you noticed though the the very large guy there was a very small guy that had an icp shirt on insane clown posse which i've not heard that since like 2005 <laughs> they were random they both left they're in this little like clown car together this big tall guy is like hitting the roof he's just sitting there <laughs> They're just sitting out there together, eating the food. It was one of the weirdest places I've ever went to. I'm kind of glad we didn't get takeout because I would not have want, wanted to eat in that hotel room. Now that <laughs> hotel wasn't cheap either. So I expected it to be pretty nice. Zach, it was rough. <laughs> it was rough. It was a rough overall experience. I just thought it was funny. You know, you never know what you're going to expect when you go to a waffle house after like 10 o'clock. Yeah. Well, and I had high hopes. It looked like a fancy one. It looked like a, a five-star waffle house. But I'm going to be honest, man. I, I mean, I mean, my waffle was good. I don't know about <laughs> anybody else, but mine was good. Well, the half a waffle I had, because I can't eat a whole lot, I thought it was pretty good. Of course, I was, I was, I'm not fancy. I just get the plain old waffle. I thought it was pretty good, but I, I the, the conversations we heard in that place were just very, very interesting. These, oh, uh, I don't think these people knew what the heck they were doing. It was, it was just like a conglomerate mess of personalities. And it was like, it was just a true Waffle House experience. I love a good uh, Waffle House experience. Oh, yeah. Uh, back to Kentucky, just for a second. I got to give a big shout out to uh, the Kentucky players. You know, after that game, uh, a lot of them stuck around to hang out with the fans. I, I, I really like that. You know, th- those kids well, are so nice. Was pretty cool. Well, yeah, we snuck cool. down there to the very front and got to take some pictures with some of them. Uh, you took a video of me talking to Big Dog Vince Marrow. He, he was <laughs> yeah. he's really cool. I love that guy. So I just wanted to give a big shout out to to those kids because uh, they do love the Big Blue Nation, and I really do appreciate them kind of sticking around and hanging out with the fans, especially yeah. uh, McCall. He was up there in the stands. Yeah, I thought that. Uh, yeah, they were they're really friendly, and that and that's cool to see. You know, because they don't have to do anything like that. They can, you know, go ahead and march off to the locker room and. You know, but a lot of a lot of them stayed around, took pictures, interacted with the fans that were there. I thought that was really cool. Um, you know, Sean, we talked about you know Kentucky's got two games left. You know, New Mexico State coming up, uh, a thirty-six point favorite over New Mexico State this weekend. I don't know if I'm taking that point spread because I think they'll, I think they might do kind of like what they did this past Saturday and just kind of, you know, let off in the second half and maybe get probably get a lot of. Uh, 
a lot of the backups in. So I don't know if I'd take the point spread on it or not. I can see it being like a 35 to three game or something like that. I'm telling you, Zach, this happens every year. It's going to be like seven to three at the end of the first quarter. It, it always yeah. happens. Uh, you know, I, 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 I'm, I, I would bet New Mexico state on the, uh, the spread just because yeah, you know, to, to, to get 30, to, to win by 36, you know, you got to think New Mexico will probably score at least seven. So probably they'll probably get some points somewhere, even if it's just late in the second half as time's winding down. So, um, but I mean, I, I'd expect Kentucky to win comfortably, you know, yeah, like I said, it'd, it'll probably, it'd be a good tune-up game because we've got a big game coming up after that. And you know, uh, I think if Kentucky wins out, they'll be back in the top 25. They, they were not, they're knocking on the door right now. Beating New Mexico won't really do it for you. But if you can win out, Kentucky will be yeah. back in the top 25. You finish the regular season nine and three. Yeah. And you talk, you, know, you talk about that last game being Louisville, man. They look, Louisville put together probably their, maybe their best game of the season on Saturday. I was not expecting that. They just demolished Syracuse. And Syracuse played Clemson close, which Clemson stinks, but. Well, you know, I didn't, I didn't expect that. Well, and Syracuse has like the leading rusher in the country. I think his name's like Sean Tucker or something like that. And uh, held him under a hundred yards. Uh, defense only allowed three points. The Syracuse's quarterback only threw for like 48 yards on the day or something. Oh my gosh. On, on 10 completions. So, I mean, defense put together its best performance of the season. That's kind of been, Louisville's weak point this year has been defense, but their defense played really well on Saturday. Offense scored 43 or, or I'm sorry, 41 points. So overall, just probably their best performance of the season. So they got a good win. They're that game is not five. a gimme. No, absolutely not. Um, you know, Louisville's five and five now, and we've, you know, we've talked about for weeks, you know, you wanted to be, you wanted to have at least five wins going into that Duke game because, you know, Louisville, you know, I just checked the line for it a little bit ago. Louisville's 19 and a half point favorite against Duke on Thursday night. That game's on Thursday. Uh, so they'll have a chance to get bowl eligible if they can beat Duke Thursday night. And you didn't want to have, you didn't want to be five and six going into the last week of the season. So Louisville got their win to go five, to get to five wins. And they'll have a chance to get their sixth win Thursday night when uh, they play Duke. Should win that game. Duke is horrible. Awful. Just absolutely uh, horrific. So Louisville should – I think Louisville should easily win there. I'd actually probably pick Louisville to cover that 19-and-a-half point spread on that. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, now you, you'll probably have Kentucky coming in at 8-3, and three, Louisville coming in at 6-5. and five and uh, Kentucky would probably be a slight favorite, I think. I, I, you, if, I'm going, if I'm picking it early, I'd say Kentucky will probably be like – it being on the road, they'll take a couple points. I, I'd probably put Kentucky at probably like seven and a half, seven and a half yeah. point favorite. Um, so, and that has makings. I mean, that could that could be a really close game. I don't know. We'll kind of see how it goes. Um, Sean, want to talk? Another team that got bowl eligible. Uh, Western is bowl eligible now. Got a big win over Rice. They're bowl eligible now, six and four. Crazy to think. Started off the season one and four, and have rattled off. Uh, five wins in a row over the last few weeks. Um, we've got a one-game lead in the Conference USA East Division now. And uh, our boy Bailey Zappi continues to light it up. Five touchdowns on Saturday, now has 42 on the year and over 4,000 passing yards, best in the country on in both of those categories. Yeah, the, yeah it was 34-42, 482, five touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Heisman Committee – 
where's the kid at? He needs to be on the Heisman. And hey, this, this Tinsley guy on Western, the, the receiver, how about 10 receptions, 198 yards, and two touchdowns? I mean, come on, man. Bailey Zappi should be the Heisman. They got a good receiving core over there. Uh, Jareth Stearns is like one of the, still one of the top uh, receivers in the country in terms of receiving yards. And you have a, another receiver that comes in with a 10 catch, almost 200 yard game. I mean, you've got a lot of talent in that receiving core, and Bailey Zappi knows how to get them the ball. So, uh, Western plays FAU on Saturday, a 10-point favorite. Um, should be able to keep their edge in the East Division. Going Willie into Taggart. <laughs> yeah, FAU of Will, coached by none other than former Western coach Willie Taggart. What a, uh, what a game that'll be. The guy that Western. beat Kentucky at Kentucky. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the dark years. Those are our Vandy years. Yeah. So, uh, Westman's 10-point favorite. They win that. They play Marshall in the final game of the regular season, uh, which will basically pre- probably pretty much determine who wins Conference USA East. And then, of course, UTSA is on the other side. UTSA continues to climb up the rankings as an undefeated uh, non-Power 5 team. Not exactly a playoff contender, but mm-hmm. overall, that UTSA is pretty good, and that could set up a Conference USA championship game that Western could possibly, you know, knock them off their perch. I don't know. Yeah, UTSA has not been in the FBF divi- FBS division uh, that long. I want to say maybe uh, ten or eleven years, and uh, you know that. I'm telling you, man, that that coach is going to be brought up for some jobs either this year or next if he continues uh, what he's doing down there. Yeah, I'm kind of, you know, honestly, it kind of surprises me that he didn't come up in the uh, Texas Tech hunt because, I mean, he's got he's got some – I mean, he's got deep Texas roots. You know, you think, well, you know, maybe we ought to stick with that and, you know, somebody who can recruit and recruit in the state of Texas and kind of knows uh, – kind of knows the landscape of it. You know, Texas Tech ended up going and hiring a uh, Baylor assistant for that job. But uh, Yeah, the, the Texas Tech didn't waste any time in hiring. Of course, you got that early signing period, so they want to make sure they have their – uh, their new coach in to get these recruits in that early signing period in December has really changed uh, the the uh, dynamic of these coaching hires. Yeah, really, and, and we just saw you know we just saw um, I think I saw today that Justin Fuente is out at Virginia Tech. And so, oh, I did not see that. So that's yeah. some breaking news. You know, Jim Mora, who used to be at UCLA, um, he got the head coaching job. Where where was it? I just totally went blank. He, um, <laughs> and that's why we have Connecticut. We he, he is at Connecticut now, which, you know, Connecticut's not uh, had the greatest of years. They've been on our crappy games list uh, many a week. So yeah. uh, hopefully Jim Mora can turn UConn around. But I didn't know that about Justin Fuentes, which I, I think we had mentioned uh, that job last week, maybe opening up because yeah, you know, they, he, he's not had a whole lot of success since uh, taking over that job a number of years ago. Yeah, there was there'd been some rumblings for a little bit. Of course, he was, you know, he he was the coach at Memphis and did really well there. And so, Virginia Tech thought, well, he's gonna, you know, he's going to be able to do the same thing with us. And then he just hasn't. And uh, you know, so I, I don't know. Now you look at you look at LSU, Virginia Tech, um, USC is open. Uh, you know, lots of a lot of good coaching jobs up and you know. I don't know if Florida might have a coaching opening. After. Oh my goodness! I'm. I was wondering if you were wanting to talk about that. So Florida played Samford, not Stanford, <laughs> Samford, an FCS school who is not good in the FCS. You know they're not. 
They're not North Dakota State. They're not James Madison. They're not Sam Houston in uh, FCS. <laughs> Zach, at one point, it was 42 to 28 in the second quarter. The second <laughs> quarter. I know. It, it, it amazes me how far Florida has fallen this year. They were and, like a like an outside playoff contender to start the year, and they well, have just falling off the planet. And nearly, and nearly, I mean, nearly beat Alabama. You know, I, I thought when they played Kentucky, I thought they looked like a pretty good team. I mean, uh, I mean, they didn't to me look like a playoff contender, but looked like a you know a solid top twenty five team. Yeah. And they have just fallen off, uh, fallen off the rails totally. Yeah, and let me tell you something. You know, they ended up winning seventy to fifty two. Uh, no, that, that that's that that's a loss to me. You you let Samford score fifty two. I know Kentucky almost lost to Chattanooga at the beginning of the year, but we, we didn't allow no fifty two points and forty two in the first half. You know, had they yeah. lost that game, I don't think Dan Mullen would have made it off the field with the job. Yeah, and who knows if he's even going to make it through the season. Well, see, and that's the thing, Zach. There's, I mean, you got all these high-profile jobs opening up, and you know, potentially have the Florida job. Who are you going to get? That that's the problem. There's just so many, and these are big jobs: LSU, USC. Yeah, I mean, there, I mean, there's good jobs, but I mean, if I mean, if Florida opens up, I'd be one of the. It would be one of the best jobs available. Oh but yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I I kind of tend to think they'll give Dan Mullen a, a one more year, but it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, it honestly wouldn't. It's gonna uh, be tough if they don't make a bowl. Yeah, I think you kind of have to get into a bowl. Um, if you don't make a bowl, he's definitely gone. But I think their schedule's pretty lot in the season, so I, I, I just know. don't understand it. I thought he was gonna be great down there, and it's it's not been very good. And he he's not done himself any favors with the way he's handled some of his press conferences. You know, just saying oh, yeah. some out, out, some really outlandish things, and uh, you know, they just—I I, I was watching that score on the way to Nashville Saturday, and I was—I couldn't believe it. It was the craziest thing I'd ever seen. Yeah, I mean, you look at Florida's got Florida's got to go to Missouri this Saturday, which I mean, Missouri's terrible. Yeah, but I mean, would you take? I mean, would you take Missouri or Sanford? I don't know. Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, and, and you and know, Florida hope, just got blown out by South Carolina, who's horrible. So who knows? Yeah. Um, so you've got Missouri, they go on the road to Missouri this Saturday and then host Florida State to end the season. So I think, and they're five and five. So Florida should probably win both of those games, finish seven and five and go to a bowl. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, if they struggled with Sanford, they may not, they may not be able to beat Missouri or Florida State either. Yeah. Point. Well, I mean, uh, South Carolina blew them out. Is South Carolina better than Missouri? Are they better than Florida State? I don't know. Yeah. They have got to get something figured out down there because, I mean, like I said, if they would have lost to Samford, there is no way he would have had that job Saturday night. He would have been fired kind of like Lane Kiffin was on the tarmac at USC. Right, yeah. You know, Sean, I want to talk about a team that's not losing, Lindsey Wilson College. (laughs) <laughs> undefeated regular season man another blowout win just uh was it was it another shutout another shutout do you like my segue there <laughs> crazy but uh, uh yeah uh finished regular season 10 and 0 uh 49 to 0 win over the Cumberlands fourth shutout of the season uh interesting enough Sean this is their third consecutive undefeated regular season um wow. you know, last last year undefeated regular season 
won the national championship the year before when undefeated in the regular season, but lost in the national semifinals. So, I did not know this was their third straight undefeated season. That, 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 I said last week, you better back up the Brinks truck for Chris Oliver. They, that Brinks truck better get there because uh, that, that man has made a juggernaut of a program. And I continue to be impressed. They brought that football program back. It's been well, a little over a decade, and he's yeah. got that thing a humming. And it's crazy. I'm so happy for them. You're jumping in. Now we jump into the playoffs. Lindsey Wilson hosts Montana Western in the first round of the playoffs this Saturday. That sounds like an Alabama. <laughs> 12, 12.30 p.m. Um, at Lindsey Wilson Stadium there in Columbia. Um, they don't really – in the NAI, the playoffs are kind of weird. They don't they do not do it like um, like you expect. They don't come out with a, like an actual bracket. They, announce, they basically announce the matchups in the first week kind of based on the rankings – and then we'll kind of reset everything after the first round and um, announce new matchups. And they kind of take geography into it a little bit too. So um, we don't really we don't really have a bracket to kind of look and see how the playoffs could play out. But there's uh, you know they should they should be able to handle Montana Western in the first round and should be looking at hosting um, playoffs for the next two weeks after that if they can continue winning. So um, looking forward to that. And uh, you know, we wish Lindsey Wilson best luck over Montana Western on Saturday. Uh, my alma mater, I want to see him win back-to-back championships. That, that would be huge for that school, you know. And they've got a ton of support here in the community. You know, a lot of people, a lot of Russell Countyans have been, been to Lindsey. Personally, my mother, she's a Lindsey Wilson grad. It's, yeah. it's really cool having a college that's literally like 15 minutes away uh, winning national championships. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty cool. Um, Sean, I want to touch on, uh, I want to touch on our upset picks, uh, for the coming week. And then, uh, the previous week, I know I went 0 and 2 last week, which was not pretty. You fared a little <laughs> bit better than I did, but, uh, I did my best and that's all you can ask for. Uh, Yes, I went. So I decided I would take um, Michigan or Penn State over Michigan, and that was a close game. Michigan ended up winning 21 to 17 on the road at Penn State. I thought Penn State was going to pull that one out, but uh, Michigan picked up a good win there with that game. Yeah, uh, surprisingly, Jim Harbaugh didn't choke, so I was very shocked about that. It was good to see him get a big win. Um, That was a huge win for Michigan. It kind of keeps them in the hunt. Yeah. And then I had uh, Nevada over San Diego State. San Diego State won that game uh, 23 to 21. So came close again, but um, I was just a little bit off. And then uh, what did you have last week? I can't even remember what you had last week. <laughs> I had uh, Notre Dame defeating uh, – or uh, Virginia beating Notre Dame, which uh, that was terrible because uh, Notre Dame blew them out. So, I guess uh, I guess Brian Kelly heard me saying that they need to be like a top-10 team because they did it. And then I had uh, – <laughs> uh, what was – my mind is just totally went blank. I know I went one for one. or, or Yeah, I, I split them. Oh, Baylor over Oklahoma. Yeah, that, that was the game where Lincoln Riley got very uh, – got his – uh, feathers ruffled a little bit. Uh, Baylor yeah, defeated Oklahoma, and uh, yeah, Oklahoma's been you know up and down all year. And I knew if they 
did that against Baylor, who's a good football team, they were going to lose. I thought Oklahoma started Caleb Williams, brought in Spencer Rattler. Neither one of them could do anything. <laughs> it didn't go really well when they made the switch. But, uh, yeah, so I, I was 0-2 last week, not a great weekend, but I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good about my picks this week. You know, last couple of weeks I've not felt really good about any of them. I was just kind of going out on a limb. But I feel pretty good about my two picks this week. First one I'm going to go, Sean, you know I've been critical of Oregon, and I'm going to continue to be. I'm taking Utah at home over number three Oregon this Saturday. Wow. Oregon, Oregon I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not – I don't know. I, I just don't think uh, – first off, I don't think they're the third best team in the country. Um, no, not even close. Like I said, I know that they beat Ohio State, but they lost – all credibility with me whenever they lost to Stanford, who's horrible. When you know, they lost to Stanford and when they barely beat Cal and they barely beat UCLA, you know, I, that that's it for me. And, um, you know, when you can barely get by these teams in the Pac-12, a lot of them that are absolutely terrible, you, I mean, you're, you're not convincing me that you're a good team that you deserve to be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Now, now, like when the playoff rankings come out, I would think I think Oregon's probably going to be in there, but I think they'll be out after this Saturday because I think they're losing uh, on the road in Utah. Yeah. What you, um, what you got for your first pick? Uh, my first one, I've got Illinois over Iowa. Now Iowa's been what what a crazy year for Iowa. Get up to as high as number two in the country, and they've just felt falling apart. Illinois has been playing pretty good football as of late. They got that uh, weird win at Penn State. And, uh, you know, that's going to be like that game wouldn't surprise me if it was like a 10 to nine score because both think, those teams kind of play that, uh, physical style. <clears throat> so I think, I think, uh, Brett Bielema and uh, Illinois will come out on top of Iowa. that uh, be a big win for Illinois. Yeah. Uh, I can see that being, yeah, I can see that being one of those weird low scoring games where it's like, um, yeah, like. 13 to seven or something, you yeah, know, yeah, that, that's how Brett Bielema likes to play. You know, he's not uh, really adapted to the new offenses here in college football. He still plays that old style where you run the ball and play defense. Yeah. So I also saw, um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, actually Brett Bielema has COVID and is not going to coach in that game. Oh, really? <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe they're going to break out a new offensive philosophy. <laughs> Yeah, maybe they'll come out and uh, and just uh, be in a spread offense and do a bunch of trickery and all that stuff. That'd be pretty start, funny. Start slinging the ball around. Brett Bielema is going to be at home screaming. <laughs> it's like, run the ball. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, for my second game, I'm going over. I'm going to come back over to the SEC, and I'm going to take South Carolina over number seventeen Auburn. Uh, Big one. Yeah, bit yeah, not not one you totally expect. Auburn, um, Bo Nix is out with an injury. They're starting quarterback, probably going to miss the rest of the season. So not a lot of optimism there in Auburn, especially with the Iron Bowl coming up. Um, yeah, you know, Auburn was up twenty-eight to three over Mississippi State and figured out how to lose. And that game was at Jordan Hare. So Auburn's yeah. just kind of falling apart. So you, you you take you know, of course that was the game. Bo Nix got hurt. Bo Nix got hurt in that game. And so he's going to be out. They got to go to South Carolina at night. That place gets crazy at night. Uh, South Carolina's shown they've they've improved a lot over the season. You know, 
you know, really handled Florida. And, uh, you know, they lost a close one to Missouri. But I, I like Auburn kind of a little bit of a shock, you know, coming, you know, with losing their quarterback, going to a tough uh, road environment at night. I'm going to take South Carolina to knock off Auburn. Yeah, Auburn might be peeking ahead to the Iron Bowl next week. You know, Shane Beamer is really uh, – looks like he's starting to get that thing turned around at South Carolina. And South Carolina plays really well at home. I've always said I think they've got like – they've definitely got like a top five atmosphere, especially at night at their stadium, especially when they get sandstorm rolling and the, the cockle-doodle-doo. Uh, yeah. they, uh, they have one of the uh, hardest environments in, in all of college football. So I like that pick. Uh, my pick, this is going to be a huge, huge pick. This is going to shake everything up. <laughs> I've got the Mustangs of SMU uh. defeating Cincinnati. Cincinnati has just not – they don't look good, Zach. I know they're undefeated, but they're pl- these inferior opponents, they've played horrible against these, kind of, these guys. It's kind of like what I said about Oregon. You know, they've, they've played against teams that are – not that good and have not looked great against them. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, you know, if Cincinnati's going to lose, it's probably going to be this game. So SMU has got the offense to be able to put up points on them. And, you know, like I said, if, if Cincinnati was going to lose any game this season, it was probably going to be, it was probably going to be SMU. So, um, the only, it'd be, the only it'd thing be a I big hate, win for SMU, probably the biggest win post death penalty for that SMU football program. The pony excess is back. <laughs> I hope they're not doing what they're doing, what they did back then. But you know, I mean, Cincinnati, they they just don't look good, man. I mean, if you're going to be the number two team, number two in the AP poll, they're number five in the college football playoff, which is really what we're going by now. If right. you're going to be a top five team on the fringe of the playoff, I got to see you blow out Tulane. Right. You you want to see more out of them. You want to see, you know, them. You want to see them dominate the teams in their conference to kind of send a message. You know, what would Georgia do against Tulane or Tulsa? Right. You want to see them kind of show, hey, we're head and shoulders better than everybody else in our conference. Yeah. And I'm not saying it. And that's why every time I've done my playoff predictions, I don't have them sniffing it because I just. I, I, that's great that you're undefeated, but mm. what if Kentucky was in that conference? How good would Kentucky be? Right. Well, speaking of playoffs, Sean, you want to go? You want to go through your uh, top six for the playoffs, which is going to be uh, new rankings will come out tonight. Yeah, uh, I'll go in with mine. Not a not a big change. Um, no, got... I, I didn't have I didn't have a lot of changes in mine either from last week. I've got number one, Georgia. I mean, yeah, really. No debate there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Number two, I've got Alabama. Number three, Oregon. Number four, Ohio State. The only reason Oregon's number three is because they've got that win over Ohio Ohio State. Number five, I've got Michigan. That was a big one. That was a huge win. Number six, Cincinnati. Well, I mean, we have the same teams in the top six. I have a t- I have a couple that are flipped around from yours. So I've got Georgia one, Alabama two. I actually leaped Ohio State to number three over Oregon. I wanted to because I think Ohio State has just looked better. 
Oregon's I almost put Ohio out. State at number two just because the way Alabama looked against the LSU. Well, you know, I think Ohio – I mean, Ohio State uh, came out. Uh, and I mean, they've just – I mean, they've been pretty dominant in their wins since then, since – and Oregon hasn't. Now, I think right now Oregon's Ohio State, played awful. You know, I just – I, you know, I know Oregon has the head-to-head win, but that was back in early September. I, don't, I just can't keep going back to that when these two yeah. teams seem like they've taken different paths since then. So, number three, Ohio State. I've got Oregon at four, Cincinnati at five, and I'm keeping Michigan at six. Yeah, I like that. You know, I know the uh, the committee came under fire last week because they put Michigan ahead of Michigan State. Look, I, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, Michigan State defeated Michigan, but if you go back and watch that game, Zach, Michigan dominated that game. It wasn't like it was a back-and-forth affair, and yeah, Michigan's got the better wins. Yeah, and I thought Michigan – I thought Michigan kind of looked better, even, even though they lost. Michigan showed me a lot in that, so I, I, I'm going to keep. And I almost, I almost did what you did. I almost put Michigan ahead of Cincinnati, but I don't know. We'll, we'll kind of see how that goes. I think Michigan still kind of got to show me a little bit. I want to see Michigan Ohio State. That's going to be a good game, I think. And you know, there's a lot of pressure on Jim Harbaugh to win that game. He's not, he's not defeated Ohio State since he's been the coach at Michigan. I mean, he, it's now or never, man. I know, and I think like like maybe this year's the year if he's going to do it. If he don't do it this year, I don't know when he does. Um, so that so playoff rankings will come out tonight. We'll kind of see we'll kind of see how our predictions kind of line up with what the playoff committee does. How about the Kansas uh, Jayhawks? Oh, I did. I had totally forgot about Kansas, but my goodness, what <laughs> what a game that was! Led you know, by. That, uh... At Vandy, you know, you could see the uh, they showed like the scores from around the country. It said 35 to 14, Kansas over Texas, and that game was in Austin at Texas. Yeah, I'm like, rock chalk Jayhawk, man. Boy, what? And then they led by 21 at two different points, you know, like the 35 to 14 led 42 to 21, and then some, then they let Texas back in the game. Goes to overtime, and I thought we thought, well, it goes to overtime. You know, Texas will win. You know, yeah. Kansas didn't win, and there's an overtime. And then somehow, Kansas pulls it out. Yeah, and, they they get a touchdown, and then they go for two, which I always like that. I mean, that that, that takes some big, you yeah. know, what to go for talk two. Talk about a bold move there. Yeah, and uh, how about that? They get the two point conversion. Uh, the Kansas fans that were in Austin to, to see that they were uh, chanting SEC at Texas because, of course, Texas is going to be joining the SEC uh, here <laughs> for too long. Which I think Texas and Oklahoma are going to be humbled when they come to where the big boys play. But you yeah, know, right. I, I was happy for Kansas, man. I mean, I, I make fun of them. Uh, honestly, though, that they've struggled for so many years. I know that that you know it's the first time they've won in Austin in program history. It, that. That stat is unreal, and it was first. Well, it was first time they beat Texas in a long time. I don't even remember yeah. what the year what the year was on that. But his first road uh, big Big Twelve win in forever. I mean, that was. I mean, that was a huge win for Kansas. Yeah, uh, Lance, uh, and we figured out how to actually pronounce the coach's name. It's Lance <laughs> Leopold, not uh, Leopold, or as you like to call him, Lance Leotard. <laughs> <laughs> that was a big win for him. You know. Uh, it was a good win for the leotards. Yeah, I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a, a program building win. 
I, I would like to see Kansas, you know, at least be somewhat relevant because, yeah, you know, I, I couldn't imagine being a fan of that program and seeing oh, just gosh. the the incompetence that long. So it'd be nice to see them get somewhere. So I was happy to see them get that win. Of course, Texas fans are overreacting, saying they need to go ahead and fire Steve Sarkeesian. I know. And After, you know, look, I thought I didn't think they gave Tom season. Herman enough time. Tom Herman to me didn't have enough time. You, you have to give Steve a couple of years to get that thing going. I mean, this is his first year. It's his yeah. first year. But you I know, well, what's happened to Texas though, Zach? They Texas has not been Texas in over a decade. Well, I just think they've, I just think they've, you know, well, I think part of it has been, you know, the big 12 has, you know, for the last couple of years, you know, this year, not, not as much this year, but for the last couple of years, it's been a little bit tougher. And I think that's been part of it. I also think they've just not made, they've just not made good coaching hires and good coordinator hires. Um, I mean, Tom Herman, I don't know, maybe if you gave him more time, maybe he could have done something, but it didn't really look to be trending in the right way. Um you know, and then I don't know, maybe Steve Sarkeesian can do it, but they've just not, to me, they've just not really, uh, the coaching hires have not panned out. And, um, of course, the, of course, it doesn't help that the fan expectations are nuts down there. You know, um, they're, they're not even a cha- They're not even nowhere near being a championship caliber team right now. And fans are mad if they win you know, eight games, you know. Yeah, which I, got crazy because we like that. Well, well, we'll take eight wins. But, you know, I mean. and Texas me, is just different, man. Yeah. And to me, there's no reason why Texas should be irrelevant. Uh, the, the talent in that state, uh, the money. I mean, you, money. Talk, you want to talk about money and resources. Look at Texas. Look at Texas A&M. Yeah. yeah I, mean, you, I mean, you look at those two things, recruiting and money. I mean, they have a talent base to just pick and choose from, and then they've got all the money for facilities that you could ever want. Yeah. Yeah, to me, that's why, to me, it boils down to coaching. I mean, they've they've just – because what else could be? I know there's – like, there's some programs that even with a good coach, you're at a disadvantage. You know, we we talked about Vanderbilt. I mean, even with a good coach, you're at a disadvantage. Yeah. I mean, and James, uh, James Franklin, I think, is a good coach, but he, you know, he can only get to nine and four at Bandy. Yeah. So, I mean, like, there's some places where you have a ceiling, even with a really good coach. And Texas is the opposite. Your ceiling is as high as you want it to be. Yeah. But, w- w- when's the last time Texas was in a New Year's Six bow? I mean, that. And that, that that's the biggest thing <laughs> for me. It's it's, I mean, yeah, they should be winning championships, but you can't even get to a new year six bow. I mean, UCF has done it and you've not done it. in I don't know how long. Yeah. I mean, you, well, I mean, gosh, what the only thing I can think back to is, you know, when they went, what was that? 2009 with Colt McCoy. <laughs> yeah. That was in the national, the BC, the old BCS championship game and, and Alabama beat them. And that, that well, was really the that was really the last time Texas was relevant. Well, I, I, actually, I take that back, Sean. We we missed something here. In 2018, Tom Herman took the Texas to a 10 and four record, and they played in the Sugar Bowl. Really, I I, I totally forgot that. You know, this totally, COVID stuff has just made everything made me forget four but, years back. But you know, you you look at what Tom Herman did. Was seven and six his first year, went ten and four the next year, and then eight and five and seven and three the next two years. It wasn't, and it, that wasn't enough. Yeah, and so you, I mean, you look back: Tom Herman, Charlie Strong, 
And then, of course, you had Mac Brown. Mac Brown, you know, kind of had them rolling. It, it kind uh, of flamed out there toward the end, it seemed like. But, yeah. I mean, Tom Harbin, you look at that record, Zach, we'll take that in Kentucky. It's just not good enough down there. Yeah. And so, I don't know. We'll kind of see what uh, – we'll kind of see what – I think Sarkeesian can probably be good there, but I don't know if he'll be up to what they want. And if he's not, they'll – let him go and try to find somebody else. And who knows if they'll find anybody better. I don't know. That seems like the biggest problem with me for some of these schools is patience. You know, they just, they do not have the patience. You know, it's different. Building a basketball program and a football program is just so different because in football, your roster is so huge. You've got to give that coach at least three to four years to get all his recruits in there, get a class through. And we've seen it with basketball. John Calipari's first year at Kentucky, he, he has Kentucky back. It's it's different in football. Just look at oh, Stoops and how long it's taken him to get Kentucky football going. Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at football, I mean, the, just because of the rosters. I mean, you, the size of your roster, the number of players you have to have. Uh, I mean, basketball, if you can if you can come in like John Calipari and bring in, you know, three or four really talented players – you know, you can, back. you can change, you can change a team around in a year. You bring three or four talented players in to a football team and you might have a, just a very small difference. Yeah. It, it's, it's so much harder to build a football program and these programs, they just don't give any coaches any time. Yeah. Cause you get a lot of pressure from boosters and stuff like that to, um, to make a change or something. And, uh, the athletic departments feel that pressure because those are the people who give the money and, you know, I think that's kind of what happened. That's kind of what we've seen at Texas is the boosters, you know, they want to see things a certain way. And, you know, Tom Herman just didn't really, wasn't really doing it for him. And I don't know, you know, Steve Sarkeesian may not even be any better. I don't know. We'll see. I, I mean, I think he has a chance to be, but. Yeah, I questioned that hire because I didn't really see much out of Steve Sarkeesian that would make me think he should be the coach at Texas. Yeah. He was a, a coordinator with uh, Saban at Bama. And, you know, got to the playoff and won a championship. But, I, mean, I don't know. It might work. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Um, you know, Sean, we were talking about basketball. You know, basketball's kind of started now. And, uh, you know, Kentucky played Duke in, in the first game of the season. You know, I, I didn't have a lot of expectations. But, honestly, man, I came out of that basketball game like, feeling actually pretty decent about Kentucky basketball. Yeah, because... it was very positive. I like the the players fighting that game. Uh, Oscar Swebe is just a man possessed. Uh, the guy had 20 rebounds against Duke. Yeah. 20 rebounds. Then... You know, the, the Kentucky got down by 15 at one point. You looked like it was over. They came back. And uh, Ty Ty Washington didn't play well at all. You got to think if Ty Ty played well – Kentucky might have won that game. So I was very pleased with what I seen. And then, uh, yeah. And so, you know, I, you know, I've seen a lot of people really upset about it, but I'm like, I'm the opposite, you know. It's the first thought, game, man. It's the first game. I thought they played pretty well against a Duke team that I think is really good. Uh, and then, of course, you had the game against Robert Morris. You know, we're kind of into that. We're now into that, uh, that cupcake part of the <sighs> on-conference schedule where it's just, you know, Playing team, playing you know, Robert Morris and Mount St. Mary's that they play. Hoop State, Popcorn State, you know, just <laughs> John Calipari. If you listen to this, man, can we go to the Maui Invitational or something? Get some good competition. You know, I see Texas playing Gonzaga. 
Villanova yeah. playing UCLA. And I'm just like, man, why can't Kentucky do that? But uh, yeah, Kentucky got a, you know, Kentucky just routed Robert Morris 100 to 60. And, uh, you know, Damian Collins, who we didn't see a whole lot in the Duke game, had uh, some highlight plays. It just goes to show, man, this Kentucky team is very deep. Um, yeah. I've seen where uh, CJ Frederick is going to be out for the year, he's got an injury. I don't think that affects this year's team much. You know, it's it's going to be big to have him next year. Yeah, I mean, you'd like to have him this. You'd like to have him this year because he, you know, he he does come in as you know maybe the best shooter on the team. I don't know. Um, he was one of the best in the country when he was at Iowa. So I mean, you'd like to have him for that. But also, you also wonder how much would he even play uh, with the guards that are in front of him. So. I, it's not a huge loss. Uh, I'm I'm excited for Kentucky to get into the latter part of the non-conference where you know they they'll play in that CBS Sports Classic and the play. Yeah, they got Ohio State who, and Ohio State. You know they had some struggles starting off. They looked pretty good last night. Uh, they're they're going to have a Notre Dame. I think that's Notre in South Bend, and then of yeah. course the Louisville game, which <laughs> poor Louisville. Uh, they lost to Furman. Yeah, that's yeah. What a rough loss for them. I, ugh. you you can't lose to Furman early. And uh, yeah, I'm not going to say much though because Kentucky lost to Evansville a few uh, years ago. I was getting ready to say I kind of equate that to that loss Kentucky had against Evansville. It's like you just look at it and it's like, how did that even happen? You know. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I think I think Louisville's going to end up being decent this year. I think that was just kind of like a. Like a holy crap! How'd this even happen? You yeah, know? And, you know, I forgot Chris Mack is actually uh, suspended right now. He can't even go to the team's practice, so that could have an effect too. Yeah, you, uh, there's probably a lot of factors. Uh, did you see? Have, and, and you know, this has been an issue with Kentucky and Louisville both. Uh, fan attendance is not good at all. It, it, but for both of them, you know, there's like yeah. now it seems to be a little bit worse at Louisville. Um, yeah, I think, Zach, it just seems like there's this some sort of cloud over Louisville. Uh, their attendance, uh, Kentucky's had really good football attendance. Attendance for football at Louisville has been putrid this year, and they tried. They gave away a bunch of tickets for that Clemson yeah. game. It still wasn't full. Nobody's going to the basketball games. I think, you know, Louisville's had these, uh, these NCAA issues. Uh, they still have a pretty big punishment coming, it seems like. I yeah. just think that the fans are just kind of fatigued. You know, the Louisville's kind of in a weird spot, and that's a dangerous place for your program to be if you're not getting any fan support. Kentucky's not had a lot of fans at, at Rupp. You know, the, the Rupp atmosphere has kind of dwindled over the last few years. Mm-hmm. I kind of blame that, honestly, on the university. Uh, I think Kentucky has not done themselves favors in the fan experience at Rupp Arena, uh, not to mention the tickets are astronomical. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the, the football, Kentucky's not done a very – that they've had their issues with football, with changing up the tailgating. But the basketball yeah. has really suffered. And to be honest with you, Zach, I enjoy going to a football game more than I do a basketball game. I think I'd rather just watch the basketball game on TV, and I think a lot of people are doing that. And plus, I think COVID has a, a small I mean, impact, but still the attendance was dwindling before that. What, what do you think is the reason? Well, I think I think part I think part of it comes to COVID. I think a lot because I think you have a lot of people who attend basketball games who are older. So I think you I think you have to consider what role COVID may play in this. But like you said, it, it was starting to become an issue beforehand. 
And I think part of it is, I think part of it's the scheduling, you know. Who I don't want to go watch Southern. Yeah, it, well, it, when you're playing a mid-major team on a Monday or Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, you know, it's just, you know, it's just hard to convince yeah. people to. Even a Friday night. Even Friday nights, I mean, that's, I think that's a big part of it. And I think, but I, I think especially during the week, because you have people who are trying to get off work and then, and then go, and then they're out late and they have to get up and go to work the next morning. And, you know, I think that's, I think that's part of it. And people will do that for, you know, a, you know, when you're playing against another power five team, like, I, like, like say Kentucky, if Kentucky hosted, Indiana on a Tuesday night. Yeah, that place you know? would be. Packed. And you see, and you see it more too. You see that too when the conference games come because more people are apt to come to those. Now, granted, they're conference games; they mean a little bit more. But if you played a marquee non-conference game, that people will show up. So, to me, I think I think the scheduling plays a big role in it. Ticket prices, I think, play a role. I mean. Uh, it's hard, especially if you're wanting to bring like a family or something like that. It that you rack up a big bill there. I think there's a lot of things that play a role in it, and I think also just people want to, you know, the ability to watch it at home. Yeah. You know, the I mean, I mean the qual I mean the quality of the of the broadcasts is so good. I mean, and now I mean you can if you have a if you have a good TV, it's Honestly, maybe just as maybe just as cool sitting at home watching yeah. it. So, but, something else, uh, and tell me what you think about this. Because personally, I'm still going through this, and I, you know, maybe just me being crazy. I still feel like there's some sort of, not really a cloud, but some sort of a funk stemming back to when Kentucky lost to Wisconsin in the Final Four in 2015. You know, that was the the undefeated season. <clears throat> Kentucky was the best team all year, lost to Wisconsin in the final four, finished 38, 38 and one. Me personally, there's just been this sort of funks for me since then. And Kentucky's not really been the same since then. And it, to, it also seems like the fans haven't either. What do you think? Yeah, I think that, well, I mean, I think too, I think there's still kind of just like that weird hangover. And it's just, and I think like you think back to, what was it? The Tyler Hero, PJ Washington, that team that lost to Auburn in the Elite Eight. Yeah. If Kentucky gets to the Final Four that year, I think you fix it. I think it kind of changes it. But the fact that they haven't been to a Final Four since then, I think that that kind of causes like some lingering, oh, you know, like just that that dread. I don't know, but I, I, I get what you're saying. I think I think a lot of people are like that. Um, so I, I think. But I think if Kentucky can get to a Final Four, I think that kind of goes away. I think kind of put that on the back burner a little bit. Yeah, just I, I still haven't. think I still think John Calipari is going to win another national championship here. I just, especially with the class he's got coming in next year. Yeah, you know, I, I I've always learned to believe in Coach Cal. He he, you know, last year was terrible. He had a lot of scrutiny last year. A lot of people were still criticizing him due to the fact that. We've not been in the final four in, you know, six going on seven years. But I also say this, who else do you want? Because I think Coach Cow is the perfect guy for this job still. Well, and and here's the thing, too. Here's something to think about, too. Kentucky hasn't played in the NCAA tournament the last two years. 
Yeah. Yeah. We had the 2020 tournament canceled due to COVID last year was just an abomination. And yeah. we're quite frankly, I'm kind of hungry to get back into the tournament. Yeah. So that, that's something you got to consider too. It's, you know, I mean, I mean the year that it got canceled, I mean, Kentucky would have been a tournament team probably would have been like a three seed and probably yeah. been able to make a run. I think but, that team could have been dangerous actually that, you know, the Ashton Hagens, Tyrese Maxey team, yeah, uh, they, they were playing really well at the end of the season. But you you lose out on that year, and then this this past year you have the bad team that isn't able to uh, you know wasn't able to make the tournament. So I think I think that also kind of plays a role in this just kind of like funk that Kentucky basketball fans are into. I think just the fact they haven't had a tournament run in two years, and um, I think that kind of hurts a little bit. But. Um, Sean, I think we're kind of – we're starting to run low on time here, so we'll uh, get ready to wrap it up. A uh, lot going on this weekend. You know, we're going to go uh, watch Kentucky-New Mexico State on senior day. Um, hopefully Kentucky – I'm, I'm going to hope Kentucky covers that 36-point spread, but I ain't, I'm not counting on it. Please, uh, there's no Chattanooga score again. My goodness. Yeah, just, just, get, just get a comfortable win. That's all I'm asking for at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Well, John, we're going to wrap this up. And uh, as always, go Cats. Go Cats.